surprise. You need to turn around. I'm up in the tech booth. The reason why I'm up here right now is that as we continue going through this I Am series, we come to arguably the most popular title that Jesus Christ has in the I Am series. And the reason, the other, the, the reason why I'm, I'm up here now is because above me is this stained glass picture of Jesus Christ being the Good Shepherd. Take a look at the picture, and, and as you see that, you see what Jesus Christ is all about. This is the same stained glass that was in the church when it was located on the corner of, of California and Wenham Street. And when this church moved from there to here, they, they, I apparently they had a discussion about we need to bring the stained glass with us. I'm not quite sure why they did. But I believe, I, one of the things that I've told myself, and whether or not it's true, those of you that were here back then can tell me whether it's true or not, but, but let me live in my delusion if it's not true for a little while. But I believe this, that those who brought the stained glass of Jesus Christ the Good Shepherd, that they brought it here, I believe the reason why is because they wanted a visual reminder that Jesus Christ truly is the Good Shepherd. So often we come into the sanctuary and we, we look around and we see these different things, but, but I would ask you to think about this. How often have you taken the time to look at the stained glass of the Good Shepherd? We see it's there, we know it's there, and we simply oftentimes don't even remember that it's there. And I believe that that is something that happens in all of our lives when we consider who the Good Shepherd is. He's there, but yet we don't notice Him anymore. He's there, but yet our lives are so busy and so crazy and so chaotic that we forget that He's there. Just like we forget this beautiful stained glass of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. It's my prayer over the course of the next number of minutes that we're together this morning and we see, and not see, but we hear God's word proclaimed, that we would keep in mind that the good shepherd is always good. He never stops being good. That he's going to take care of us, that he's going to walk us through whatever comes our way. I invite you now to continue looking in that and listen to these words out of John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and it does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. 
The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, <clears throat> excuse me, many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Father, we pray now as we reflect on these words, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we may see. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our minds that we may understand and open our hearts that we would be transformed. Transformed to be the people that know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the good shepherd. You are the one who never leaves us alone. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us hear only what it is that you want us to hear and that no one would hear anything I say but only what it is that you want them to hear. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the good shepherd, for being the one that cares for us when the hired hands leave us. Father, have mercy on us, a sheep, a group of sheep, a flock of sheep that struggle so much to remember that you are the good shepherd. Do your work. And Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so Jesus shares these words with us. And as he shares these words with us, there are a few things that I know that we need to, uh, to talk about this morning. And it's this, it's that our church has this event that we throw every Christmas time. And by the way, Christmas is only 219 days away. For those that are counting at home, we have this event called the Streets of Bethlehem. And one of the things that we have learned over the years is that shepherds somewhat play a rather significant role in this story. And so I want to go over a few shepherding basics with you before we divulge and before we, not divulge, but before we dive into this particular passage and one of the first things is this, is that, is that being a shepherd, it's one of the first jobs listed in the Bible. Now, you might be sitting there being a skeptic, saying, well, John, let's do a little, let's just look at this logically. There weren't a whole lot of jobs to choose from back then. Point taken. But yet, being a shepherd has been involved, having a shepherd has been involved almost from the very beginning. The second thing is this, a shepherd's job was to find grass and water in a very dry land, a dry and rocky land. Take any trip to Israel, and one of the things that you will be struck by is how many rocks and how dry this particular country is, that whole area. There are rocks everywhere. And it's difficult to find water, and it's difficult to find pasture, but yet when you find it as a shepherd, you stay there and you care for your sheep there. Another thing is this, is that they were, shepherds needed to protect their flocks from not only the harsh elements of the weather, but also the ongoing danger of predators. Notice that Jesus says there are wolves, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But there were predators out there. The prophet Amos has these words. He says, this is what Yahweh says, As a shepherd rescues from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or the piece of an ear. 
A shepherd battles these predators. A shepherd looks out and and takes care of his sheep. It's a dangerous job. It's a dangerous job. And what makes it even more dangerous is that sheep are stupid. You've heard me say this before. They're foolish. They're, 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 They're determined to bring harm into their own lives. In the, in the Scottish Highlands, there is this grass that, that is very sweet to the taste for the sheep. And they love this particular type of grass, and they will devour it, and they won't pay any attention to where they're going. And they'll come to the edge of a cliff, and, and, they'll, see, and they'll have eaten that area, and then they'll look down about 10 to 12 feet below them, and they'll see this grass there, and they catch the aroma of this grass And the sheep will then decide to descend over that cliff and land there and begin eating that grass, not knowing that they can't get back up, not knowing that now that they've eaten all the grass there, not knowing that they don't have enough vertical lift to get back up the cliff. The shepherd hears them crying out, and part of being a shepherd was, was to retrieve and, 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 and to find these lost sheep, these, these wandering sheep. And so as the, as, the, as the shepherd comes to the edge of the cliff, and there's, he sees the lamb, he sees the sheep down there wondering what it's going to do, the, the, the shepherd lowers a, uh, lowers a rope to him to bring them back up. And what ends up happening is that the sheep looks at the rope and the sheep does something to the rope. The sheep doesn't want anything to do with it. And what the shepherd has to do is this. The shepherd has to wait until the sheep is absolutely exhausted before they can rescue them. Sounds an awful lot like humanity to me. We get into situations where we're in over our heads and we're, we're sitting there and God is constantly reaching out. God is constantly saying, I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to take care of you. And we simply battle Him and we battle Him and we battle Him and we shove Him away. We shove Him away and we say, we can handle this. We can handle this. And all the time God's saying, I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to rescue you. And what ends up happening? We get exhausted. And it's at that point of exhaustion where we realize we need this God to rescue us. Perhaps you're here this morning in need of rescue. Perhaps you're here this morning, you are exhausted. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd and He will rescue you. It was a difficult job, and not only did they have to rescue sheep that wandered off, but they also, if they lost any sheep, and they didn't get, shepherds did not make a whole lot of money, if they lost any sheep, they had to make restitution for that lost sheep. So imagine that. And the, the only way the shepherd could get around paying for this lost sheep was this, was that he had to prove that this sheep did something so ridiculous that he could not take the time to rescue this lost sheep. Needless to say, being a shepherd was not an easy job. Being a shepherd was a risk-taking job. Being a shepherd had a whole lot of risk and very little reward. And being a shepherd, you had to be tough. And if any of you, if any of us were ever to enter into some type of a fight, the person that we would want to have on our side is not Marcus Hernandez. Or anyone else the size of... Marcus is a big man. 
But what we want is a shepherd. We want a shepherd. Jamal's in the family room. Jamal, hear me clearly on this real quickly. I love you, buddy, but we're not looking to you to rescue us right now, my friend. All right? So there you have it. So he was, he was saying, I'm the guy. I'm the guy you need to rescue. But shepherds are tough. They're tough. Jesus says this in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. When humanity made the decision back in Genesis chapter 3 to walk away from God, the good shepherd, When humanity made that decision to walk away, we brought on a situation unlike any we could have ever imagined. And in the midst of that, as as Adam and Eve are are trying to figure out what what to do, you could almost hear them say this, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call to rescue us? Because we're in trouble right now. And that seems to be the cry of humanity over the centuries, over the millennium. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call because we need rescuing? And Jesus Christ says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus follows this incredible line of shepherds in the, in the Bible. The first shepherd is, was, was Abel. He was the son of Adam and Eve. Another great shepherd was Abraham, the father of the faith. He was a shepherd. Moses, who leads the people out of Egypt, was a shepherd. David, the greatest king that Israel had ever had, was a shepherd. Many of the Old Testament prophets were shepherds. It seems to me as I read through God's Word that God has a special place for shepherds. They mean something to Him. They mean something to Him because of verse 12. Look what happens in verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd. And the hired hand does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. There are a number of life truths that, that, uh, that are consistent wherever you are. And one of those life truths is this, is that there are wolves everywhere. There are wolves everywhere. You don't have to go very far to find a wolf. You don't have to go very far to find people that are bent on destroying humanity. You don't have to go very far to find people that are bent on destroying friendships. And it's not just external wolves, but there are internal wolves as well. Gossip that robs a person of their character. Lying that robs people and destroys people because it's not the truth. Anxiety that overwhelms us to the place where it takes away the peace that God offers to everyone who turns to Him. Your past, my past, that robs us of the present. All of these different wolves we battle all the time. And into those battles, Jesus Christ says, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. I'm not going to bail when the wolves come. But the wolves do come. And when the wolves come, you have to answer this question, who you going to call?
Who, are, who is going to be the one that you reach out to? Because if you call someone who's a hired hand, here's what's going to happen. Your problem is only going to get worse. Your problem is only going to get more difficult. Your problem is only going to grow and you are going to become increasingly more disappointed. Verse 13, the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. As Jesus shares these words about being the good shepherd, there were people over the years that were supposed to be the good shepherd. They were supposed to shepherd God's people. But yet, those people that were supposed to shepherd God's people dropped the ball. Listen to what the prophet Ezekiel says, starting at verse 1 in chapter 34. He says this, The word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what sovereign Yahweh says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered, and notice this, they were scattered because there was no shepherd. He's telling the shepherds that they have so dropped the ball that God's people now have no shepherd. He's talking to the people that are supposed to be a shepherd and he's saying, you're not it. That was the environment into which Jesus Christ is talking to the people. He's talking to these people saying, I am the good shepherd. They had not seen a good shepherd in centuries. But God always has the last word, and I invite you to, if you're in Ezekiel 34, flip the page or go to verse 11, and listen to what happens here. For this is what Sovereign Yahweh says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Look at verse 16. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. And then the last phrase is this, I will shepherd the flock with justice. And so when Jesus Christ says that I am the good shepherd, He's making reference to this passage in Ezekiel chapter 34 where God is laying a very harsh case against those who were to be shepherds of God's people. And Jesus Christ reaches in and and speaks into that chaos, into that difficult situation and says, I'm the one that's going to take care of you. The hired hands who have come before me have simply left you and, and it's made your life worse. Jesus says this, he says, when trouble comes, when the wolf comes, the hired man runs away. Jesus Christ does not run from your trouble. He runs into your trouble to take care of you. A number of years ago, 
a little over 21 years ago, Don and I found out that we were pregnant. We were excited. We were thrilled. We go to the doctor. He says, you're pregnant. We go back about a month, month and a half later. And the doctor looks at us and he says, I have some not so good news to share with you. Those blood tests that you took the last time you were here, they've come back and it does not look good at all. And Don and I were struck by this. We were stunned. We didn't know what to do. And so I said, Dr. Het, what does that mean? And he looks at both of us and he says this. What it means is this. Is that barring a miracle, this pregnancy will not go all the way. Barring a miracle, you will lose this baby. Don and I were speechless. We looked at one another and we didn't know what to say. Our doctor, and he was a great doctor, he looked at us and he said, I am so sorry to share this with you, but you need to know. And he said, I invite you to come back in another month and we'll, or I invite you to come back in another month and we'll see what's going on and we'll run some more tests if nothing happens between now and then. So Don and I walked out to our car. And we cried. And we said, God help us. You say you're the good shepherd. We need you right now to shepherd us through this. Because we don't know what to do. And here's what's great about the good shepherd. He gave us a peace that surpasses understanding. He gave us the confidence that no matter what the news is, no matter what happens, that we're, He's going to be right there with us. He's not going to abandon us. And I say a little over 21 years ago because the young lady who's playing the keyboards today is the answer to our prayers. And that God walked us through it and brought us through. And Heidi Bosick, as far as I can tell, is one healthy young lady. You see, hear me on this. Even if the worst had happened, the shepherd is so powerful and so good that he would have walked with us through it to this very day. The hired hand leaves. The hired hand promises that they'll be there. The hired hand promises all these different things. The hired hand promises all these things, but can never deliver when the crisis happens. You need a good shepherd. I need a good shepherd. 
We need somebody who's not going to bail on us when the going gets tough. This church needs a good shepherd. And I'm not, I think I do a decent job of shepherding. But we need the one. We need the one good shepherd, Jesus Christ, to walk us through. 144 plus years of church history, God has been faithful and will continue to be the good shepherd and he will not fail. I promise you that. I will let you down. I will disappoint you. And it's not because I'm a hired hand, by the way. But it's because I'm human. I'm broken, just like you are. But the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, will walk you through whatever comes your way. Verse 14, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they, <clears throat> excuse me, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We talk about the voice, the voice of the shepherd. It still happens today where shepherding happens, where, where the sheep will not go to any other voice than the shepherd's voice. As a matter of fact, when, when uh, the groups, when these different shepherds bring their flocks together, they're not worried about not knowing whose sheep is who. When they leave the sheepfold, when they take off as shepherds, they begin calling out to their sheep, and their sheep automatically go to the voice that they recognize. They don't have to be branded or anything like that. They follow the voice of the shepherd who they recognize. And that's what Jesus Christ is talking about. And it's an incredible intimacy. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And you can say, well, how well do they know one another? Look at verse 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. How well do the Father and the Son know one another? So well that they are one. Jesus Christ knows His sheep. The intimacy that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have is so thick, is so deep, that's the type of intimacy that He's talking about having between, uh, having, uh, having between us and Him. He knows us so very well. He knows your life right now better than you do. He knows that. He says this in verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. We live in a noisy, noisy world. So I ask you this question, how do we hear his voice? How do we hear this one's voice, this good shepherd's voice in the cacophony of noise around us? Well, let me give you three, three suggestions. This, is, this will be the practical part of the message. First off, how do we hear God's voice? The first question to ask is this, what does God's word have to say to us about this? And if you don't know where to start in God's word, I invite you to turn to, to, to start in Mark's gospel and simply work your way through there and see the way Jesus Christ interacts. The second question that I would say on how do we hear, and the answer to how do we hear God's voice what do solid Christ-following people say about this? This church is blessed with amazingly 
gifted teachers and very wise individuals. I would ask you to to consider asking one of these folks to be a mentor. To walk with you, to, to, to be available to you, to, to ask questions. Timothy, and, and as you read First and Second Timothy, you come to find out that Timothy's main mentor was Paul. Paul had other mentors. Paul was with other folks. I have a mentor, and you met, uh, some of you met him last year when he, when he was involved in the installation service here. His name's Vic Gordon. Vic, know, Vic knows me longer than anybody else, including my wife. And I'll call up Vic and I'll say, Vic, I got some stuff going on. How can you help me? And, and Vic will laugh at me and say, oh, let, let's talk. When I was preaching on gluttony, he thought that was the funniest message he ever thought I could preach. I didn't appreciate him laughing at me like that, but it's the way it is. But I ask him questions and he's there for me. There are other people in my life that have served as mentors. And then the last question I would ask is this. How are God's ways reflected in this particular quote-unquote voice? Is it consistent with what we know to be true of God? If it's not consistent with what we, what we know to be true of God, then it's probably not his voice that you're hearing. His voice is probably, even though I want this to be true, his voice hasn't yet become clear enough for me to say, John, I want you to play Pebble Beach every single day of your life. I believe that could be a voice from God, but it's more a voice of what I want. And there's nothing wrong with playing golf at Pebble Beach. I'll just say that right now. For those that are interested in inviting me, I'm still available. But this one voice, we need to be able to hear it. This one voice is a voice of the Good Shepherd. And the reason why I pointed to this just a few moments ago about we're following the voice, we're following the voice of the one good shepherd is because this church is founded upon that good shepherd. And it's that one voice that informs our one message of loving God and loving people. It's that one voice that informs that message. So when we go and do ministry, when we go and gather together, when we come together, we are here to talk about how do we love God, how do we love people, and more importantly, how does God love us? That one voice informs our one message. That one voice also informs our one purpose, which is as you go, make disciples. In your workplace, as you go, in your workplace, in your school, in your family, as you go, you make disciples. His voice informs how do we go about doing that in different things that come along in our lives. And that one voice also informs our one response, which is that every knee shall bow and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's why we've adopted the Tamil people in southern India who've never heard this one voice, Jesus Christ, and we long for them to hear him. This one voice informs our one message, our one purpose, our one response. It's not my voice. It's not the elder's voice. It's his voice that we are tuning into because he's the one who's the good shepherd. And then we come to verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received 
from my Father. And we'll continue on. Verse 19, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, goes the extra mile all the time. It was rare that a shepherd would literally lay down his life for the sheep. But Jesus Christ says, I lay down my life. That's what makes me the good shepherd. Jesus understood what he signed up for. When he agreed to do this, when the Godhead got together and and worked on this plan of salvation and how to rescue humanity, Jesus Christ knew what this meant. He knew from the moment that he took steps on this planet that he would eventually give up his life. Unlike the hired hand who received pay, Jesus Christ did not get paid, did not get paid for what he gave for humanity. He paid the ultimate price to pay for us because that's what a good shepherd does. The good shepherd pays the price, and that's what Jesus Christ says here. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, and that's an important phrase. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. People say, well, Jesus just gave up. No, he did not. He voluntarily laid it down because he knew that was the only way to rescue us. He's the good shepherd. And one of the things that I love as I read through the Gospels is this amazing amount of confidence that Jesus Christ has. This amazing confidence that he knows that things are going to go really bad. He's going to be crucified. But every single time, he doesn't leave it there. He says, I will rise again. The good shepherd knows what he can do, and the good shepherd does what only the good shepherd can do. And he points this out and he says that I have the authority to lay it down, the authority to take it up again, this command I received from my Father. Jesus Christ knew this. To get to the resurrection, Jesus would have to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. We want the resurrection and we forget that there's a crucifixion that has to happen. In our lives to experience the Good Shepherd, sometimes there are those valleys that we go through. It doesn't mean that the Shepherd's abandoned us. It means that there are some things that God's walking us through, and He's not going to abandon us, and He will not bail on us, and He will bring us to a new day. So I ask you this morning, you have another decision to make, and it's this. Do you need a shepherd or another hired hand in your life? We have plenty of hired hands. We have plenty of hirelings that we turn to. And every single time, they let us down. Every single time, that checking account, that bank account, never has enough money. Every single time, we think that that person's going to come through with for us. There are times that they drop the ball and they don't. But this good shepherd, this good shepherd, never lets us down. And the people in verses 19, 20, and 21 are having this argument and they're trying to figure out, are we going to follow this guy or are we not? And Jesus Christ offers what a good shepherd offers, which is, 
good pasture, faithful support, and a never-ending care that we need as life comes at us. So do you need a shepherd? Let me be more specific. Do you need the good shepherd? Or do you need another hired hand? It's my prayer that this church will continue to turn to the good shepherd that will listen to his voice and allow him to lead the way. Father, we pray now as we think through these words that you would remind us that you're there. I pray for those people in this room right now that are listening to all types of other noise. I would ask that your voice would pierce that chaos in their lives and that you would remind them that you would remind all of us that you are the good shepherd that you will not let us down. So Lord, as we sing a couple more songs, I pray that you would continue to do the work, that you would continue to draw us to yourselves, to yourself, and that we would enjoy the fact that the Good Shepherd always cares for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I invite you to stand up as we sing a couple more songs and reflect on these words, and not simply reflect on them, but but let's sing out, let's let it loose, because this shepherd is so good and so powerful to us.